when I started my PhD, they look at me with aghast and they say that, look, you are studying uh, worms for your PhD and that will be your lifetime uh, research? And I say, yes, why not? But hey, worms can be very useful and sometimes can make you rich as well. Hello and welcome to the LifeWatch Eric podcast, A Window on Science, from the European e-science infrastructure on biodiversity and ecosystem research. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm Julian Kenny, Communication Officer. Now today, in this new series of podcasts looking at biodiversity from a, a variety of viewpoints, we journey outside of the confines of Europe to talk about Polychaetes, with Professor Iswande Idris, head of the South China Sea Repository and Reference Center, Center sorry, at the Institute of Oceanography and Environment at the University of Malaysia Terengganu on the east coast of Malaysia. Good afternoon, Iswande. Thanks very much for making time to join us today. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, Julian, and thanks for the opportunity. Good on you. Now, amongst many other activities, your South China Sea Repository and Reference Centre is also the OBIS node for Malaysia. That's the Ocean Biodiversity Information System. Could you just um, quickly describe what that is, how it operates? Uh, thanks, Julian. Uh, first of all, OBIS is an acronym for Ocean Biodiversity Information System. It's one of the uh, initiatives by uh, IODE, International Oceanographic Data Exchange, and the International Oceanography uh, Oceanography Commission. Right. Uh, the OBIS is a global open access data and information clearing house on marine biodiversity for science, conservation, and sustainable development. That's for say that um, our role as a sovereign information is to share information on Malaysian marine biodiversity. Mm for global committee for better decision making and also to make sure that the development and also uh, monitoring that we use are in par with the international standard and also allowing uh, conservation effort to be done or to be planned across the political borders. Yeah, okay. So again, these research infrastructures operating at a global level, really interesting. Yes. Now, on to our topic for today, polychaetes. I, uh, I once heard you say that you fell in love with polychaetes during your PhD. Um, what are polychaetes and what is there to fall in love with? Well, um, polychaetes is, has a very, uh, it's a several common name. Uh, some people call it bristle worms, some call it blood worms, mm. some just call it marine worms. Uh, but for many people, for most of the people, they know polychaetes as a bit worms or blood worms. It's basically a small invertebrate marine organism that occupy an intermediate position in the food web. Mm. So if you have opportunity to dive in, in the uh, coral reef area, if you uh, have a chance to see a Christmas tree worms, so the worms itself that is indicated is a polychaetes. Right. Uh, if you have a chance to walk uh, around the rocky shore and you remove or uh, turn over uh, pebbles uh, or gravels, Sometimes you can see like um, worms that are crawling underneath it. That's also a polychaete. And if you happen to see uh, any organism, uh, uh, tubes that protruding from the uh, surface of the sediment, uh, either whether it's intertidal in the mudflats or in some sea, uh, 
sandy beaches. Mm. It's also a polychaete. So this organism, this is very interesting organism. They have about, uh, at the moment, we have about 14,000 accepted species of polychaetes across uh, the global uh, area. They feed on smaller organisms and, and also at the same time, they can prey for larger fish, uh, seabirds, uh, and also, also other invertebrates. So they have so much to offer us, uh, not only for other organisms, but also for humans as well. Uh, these worms can be a pelagic, which means they can swim in the uh, water column. Right. Or benthic. And they can be found in the open sea or on the seafloor. In Braver, you can, uh, there are also freshwater polychaetes. There are also some uh, terrestrial polychaetes. Uh, but most of the time, you will find in the aquatic system, uh, in, the, in the breakage and towards the uh, marine system. Mm. So in estuaries, mud flats, sandy shore, and also in mangrove region, where uh, mangrove area, where I used to work in the mangrove uh, species. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So in Southeast Asia, uh, at the moment, we have about, The, the reason I always mention about, uh, the word about, uh, we have about 661 species uh, in South South China Sea. But I have to remind you that the numbers are increasing because the effort being done by uh, local and also international taxonomies. And some of these uh, polychaetes species have a, a great commercial value, either as bloodworms, uh, which means for, the, for uh, recreational or artisanal fishing, or as, as feed for aquaculture. Mm. So I I think with some data management help from LifeWatch, Eric, we could quantify the occurrence of different species here in Malaysia. And then we can use it to inform or to create uh, proper decision-making on areas with insufficient information on polychaetes, diversity, and also possibly uh, highlights species that have potential for commercialization, including polychaetes culture. Mm. Mm. So, um, as well as, well, they're very numerous for starters, um, but as well as the being bait for fish and, and you know, maybe you could explain how they're, they're beneficial um, in aquaculture and perhaps other applications. Okay. Um, well, I think for most people, they only associate, uh, when you call it uh, marine worms, or bristle worms, or blood worms, They only associate uh, it with uh, as a baits for fishing, <clears throat> which is uh, mostly true in the most uh, in many cases. But uh, if you look at the aquaculture industry, uh, polychaetes have a uh, certain polychaetes species are very useful to feed on for the broodstock because they have a high polyunsaturated fatty acid content, which is good for the development of gonads or the, the eggs of the, uh, of the culture species, which means it can reduce the mortality and uh, increase the quality of the uh, juveniles or fingerlings from the aquaculture, which means it will increase the yield of the aquaculture. Uh, yeah, and this is particularly true in yeah, it can, prawns and shrimps. Yeah? Indeed, uh, mostly prawns, uh, shrimps, and also some uh, fishes as well. And they are also studied that uh, trying to use polychaetes to in sea anemone culture for uh, aquarium trades industry. So this uh, species, uh, uh, these um, bloodworms uh, or the polychaetes, uh, most uh, as I should say now. It can uh, have a, a possibility to increase uh, the productions, 
and then with the right technologies we can use the ups, uh, we can increase the upstream production which means the production and production of the uh, worms itself in the uh, in the artificial environment and it could produce a consistent income to the uh, local community because at the moment it's just a we call i used to call it 4d industries dirty dangerous uh, damaging and also disturbance yes right? Right. disruptive yeah uh, because uh, they they have to uh, manually uh, dig the sediment and they remove the sediment uh, and then we disturb the heavy metals and also the ecosystem in the entire uh, ecosystem. So yeah. with the right government support, it will provide employment and also uh, imports from overseas species, uh, which can reduce the intentional or unintentional introduction of alien species. So the politics actually is very important at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Because many cases that people uh, bring other species from other area and then they, they accidentally release it, and then the alien, the introduced species thrive, and then it will suppress the local ecosystem and also uh, compete with the local species. So for policy information information, um, Malaysia is a biodiversity epicenter uh, hotspot. One of the mega, uh, twelve mega diverse country in the world. Uh, at the moment, we have the quite um, sufficient information on the coral species, uh, commercial and other iconic species. Uh, they are mostly well known, but the information in terms of diversity politics are un- unfortunately lacking behind. Uh, and especially that the fact that are important sentinel for pollution. Uh, if you aware that uh, Malaysia is uh, one of the country that uh, sit next to or uh, adjacent to the Straits of Malacca, so Straits of Malacca is uh, the second biggest shipping lane in the world after the Straits of Dover. So if you can use the polycate uh, diversity and information from the species to monitor uh, the quality uh, in the marine ecosystem in Straits of Malacca in or in other shipping areas. That will be very beneficial for our uh, monetary system and also our uh, ecosystem management. Yes. Okay. So it operates at many levels. Yes. Um, look, I also understand that polychaetes have potential in the field of human health and and well being. Ah, uh, yes. Um, we from from the study from our group, we found that uh, certain poly- uh, polychaete species have a, a very high potential for industry and also for human health. For example, we found a species uh, that have a, a wound healing capability. Uh, in fact, uh, they are if if not uh, similar, uh, they can be better than the current uh, products available on the on the shelf. Uh, and also, there's other species of polychaet. Uh, this is one of the research been done in 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 the Europe, where the bloods from the polychaet can be used as 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 a blood substitute. So this is very interesting, especially uh, when they suggested that really? the blood from this uh, polychaete species can be used especially for organ transfer uh, program. And also they have an idea, yes. Um, if you look at this, uh, one of our very famous uh, bedworms in Europe, Arenicola uh, marina, uh, the blood from this species uh, is very potential for, for medicinal uh, applications. For example, in the just now for organ transfer and also for uh, blood transfusion. But there's still lots more research need to be done before it can be 
properly used <coughs> in the medicinal, uh, medicinal trade. So again, in our research, uh, back to to Asian side, uh, we found our uh, our local species uh, have a good and excellent wound healing capabilities. But we also found as uh, another species of orchid that have a capability to biosynthesize uh, nanoparticles, in particular silver and gold nanoparticles. So these uh, nanoparticles, uh, the silver nanoparticles in particular, can be used for antimicrobial and anti-cancer trophies and also as safer for uh, alternatives to conventional antimicrobial agents. But you have so to be aware that these nanoparticles are has a very uh, high usage in other industry, for example, in electronic industry, and and also in in coating industry for uh, in paint, uh, we can also use uh, these nanoparticles, uh, gold and silver nanoparticles, to uh, eliminate the uh, biofilm production on the surface uh, that being treated with a coating agents, and also other. Uh, silver nanoparticles and uh, gold nanoparticles uh, application, it can be used for uh, vaccine adjuvant, anti-diabetic agents, and also biosensors. Now, if you combine together, uh, because recent studies suggested, suggest that uh, polycate should be upgraded uh, into a class level. Uh, uh, sorry, the phylum level, the analyta should be replaced with polycate. Now, if you include leeches and also um, earthworm as well, so leech are very common in medicinal, mm -hmm. yes, and also they are also idea for uh, earthworm as well. So our data shows that when healing with polyc extract ointment is very safe, effective, and the bioactive compounds uh, can increase antibiotic activity. Thus, it, it has a high potential to be used as an excellent medicine treatment. But still, again, I have to uh, make a clear statement here that there's more research need to be done before we can uh, produce it and put it on the shelf for yeah. commercial uh, yeah. sales. Wow. Yeah. Uh, another thing, just to be clear with everyone, that the nanoparticles are not present in the pulkit. So, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that no one will go and find the polycates under rubber and then try to extract the nanoparticles. Extract. But the extracts uh, of the polycate can synthesize uh, via the radish process to produce the nanoparticles. Right? Free floating nanoparticles in the ocean. Uh, yes, more or less uh, similar to that. Okay. And another interesting application of polycates, uh, if you look at the historical records, some uh, Pacific Islanders consume polycates, uh, especially during the spawning season, uh, and it's a it's a greatly affair. It's a it's a feast for them. It's a special occasion of in, of the year. So some polycates, yeah, and edible. They can make it as a as a stew, as a, a stir fry, and then they eat it with rice. Um, we can have polycate, dry polycate, wet polycates. It's a great source of polity, uh, protein. So in, at the moment that we are looking for uh, an alternative source of protein rather than cutting down forest to in, uh, or, or uh, have more livestock like cows or good yeah. or lamb, yeah. So perhaps in the near future, the new slogan is eat more polycates. And uh, I think it's, it's more sustainable compared to the current practice. We, 
we should think about more alternatives. So these noodles are very chewy. Ah, and, and it's a bit salty, yeah? like caviar, I suppose. <laughs> um, so look, there's so many aspects to this. Um, how do you envisage future developments? You said all of these things are sort of in development. They've, they've still got a long way to go. How do you, how do you see the future? Well, um, at the moment, we our research just focusing in, in one or two species, or two species uh, to be exact. But mm. at the uh, based on the literature, there are more than sixty species are currently used as fishing baits. So there are more than sixty species that are potentially uh, available uh, to be used or to be tested for other applications. Um, also, in the under retrospect. Uh, the number of polychaetic species identified in Malaysia uh, is relatively very low compared to our other neighboring countries, uh, even in South Asia. Mm. So it is part of my job at the moment uh, to to increase our effort to understand the taxonomy, uh, describing and naming local species through uh, precise data collection, uh, management and application. This is where uh, uh, my position as a head of uh, marine repository uh, at the University of Malaysia and I think and, and I think that's where life wash Eric would be very useful. And then our biological examination after we identify and then we see the potential uh, more research need to be done to to reveal the uh, potential uh, application of this species. Maybe we can identify the ecology of the best target species for commercialization. Yes. And then we can optimize our methods, uh, increase the quality and that and diversification of products, and also to make sure that the the habitats of this uh, mm. resource mm. will be taken mm. care of. Because if you re- destroy the habitats, we are losing unknown species that might be the best answer for the treatment in the world. And this, uh, in the, at the moment. I mean, you know. Obviously, that's what the LifeWatch data sharing facilities are all about. Indeed. But it's yeah. it's really fascinating to see, um, you know, what we talk about so often in terms of, you know, the Amazonian rainforest, so many, you know, pharmaceuticals, you know, unknown things we're destroying along the way that we just don't understand. And it's it's really interesting to see these polychaetes at the, at the crossroads of, you know, environmental management, Food, medicine, um, economic development. I, I would like to share you a story. When we, when I started started my PhD, uh, one of my uh, relatives. When you fell in love. Yes, and then uh, when I told them that I'm doing research in polychaetes, they have looked at me with aghast and they said that, "Look, you are studying uh, worms for your PhD, and that will be your lifetime uh, research." And I said, "Yes, why not?" Because the people will always associate when they say that I'm a marine biologist, they will say, ah, you might study, uh, research something like whales, dolphins, yes. all those what we call iconic species in marine ecosystem. But hey, yeah. worms can be very useful and sometimes can make you rich as well and also can feed people, more people in the world than just um, other organisms. And also, yes. I would like to use this opportunity that we need to properly conserve our ecosystem. I like to use the analogy that if you destroy our our forest, if you destroy our mangrove, if, if we destroy our coral reef, 
we are basically destroying banks that we don't know we have millions of potential money in it and we just blow it off. And very probably destroying ourselves in the process. True. So, Wandy, thank you. Look, it's terrific insight and and into the fact that, you know, um, ecology is not just about whales. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's about all of the participants in very complex interactions from the microscopic to the to the to the macro thank you so much and look all the best with your ongoing research really interesting thanks again for the opportunity and um let me offer my thanks also to my producer fabrizio lecce and above all to you our audience who follow these podcasts we appreciate your support um to find previous podcasts and to um, learn more about LifeWatch Eric's cloud computing tools and services, please visit our website at www.lifewatch.eu and follow us on Twitter. I'm sorry, I know it's called X. I can't really bring myself to say X. Um, Facebook and LinkedIn. Remember to stay tuned for more insights into biodiversity and its role in human well-being in the forthcoming interviews here on A Window on Science. <laughs>